Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking with our special guest, one and only Neil Patel. Neil Patel is an entrepreneur, angel investor, and analytics expert who specializes in SEO and digital marketing. He has co-founded several marketing tech companies, including Kissmetrics, HelloBar, and Crazy Egg. He also runs his own ad agency called Neil Patel Digital and a keyword research tool, Uber Suggest. Over the years, he has helped big companies such as Amazon, Microsoft, Airbnb, Google, and HP to help them grow through his amazing marketing skills. Among his many, many achievements, Neil has been recognized as a New York Times bestseller author, a top influencer by the Wall Street Journal, a top 10 marketer by Forbes, a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 30 by former U.S. President Barack Obama, a top 100 entrepreneur under the age of 35 by the United Nations, and he created one of the 100 most brilliant companies, according to Entrepreneur Magazine. Neil also runs a blog about marketing that has generated over 3 million visitors per month. He co-hosts his own podcast with Eric Sue, Marketing School, that has generated over 1 million listens per month, and YouTube channel about marketing that has over 10 million views. So hopefully that was pretty accurate, uh, Neil, and I'm super glad to have you on our show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be here. So, Awesome. So uh, I want to kind of get into, I know you guys analyze a, a bunch of companies that you guys work with and also partner with other companies to understand trends and data. Uh, I'd love to hear about some marketing trends that you're seeing on a macro level with where marketing spend is being directed for SaaS companies specifically during this pandemic situation. So funny enough, we're seeing a lot of SaaS companies grow and we're not seeing spend change really too much. People are just spending wherever's making them money, right? Like with this pandemic, a lot of people are like, how's advertising and marketing going to change, you know, post pandemic. And what we're seeing is it's not really changing much. People are still spending in the same places. People are still going omni-channel. As long as the channels are profitable, they continually do them. And with SaaS, because of their such high valuations, and a lot of these companies have seen growth during uh, the pandemic, you're actually seeing them starting to spend more money and ramp up efforts as well. Got it. So there's actually an increase, surprisingly. Um, and what would you say some other SaaS say owners or marketers should be looking out for and maybe start applying with their marketing budget? So you know, what are some risks that you are seeing? Like maybe there's industry specific. Or what are the opportunities that maybe, uh, like I know, for example, say Facebook ads, is it less competitive right now and they, can, they should be spending more money there um, or anything around that? So, so you're saying what should people be looking for right now that could be less competitive or easier? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. So both sides. So what are the risks um, out there that they should be looking out for? And then what are some maybe opportunities that they should be focusing on instead? Yeah, so as for risk the big thing is are, are you providing an amazing experience and here's mm -hmm. what i mean by that see when i first started getting into SaaS years and years ago you could build a company based off a feature like a heat map and you could just do well those times no longer exist because there's so much competition and because it's so much easier to create a SaaS company and cheaper right the biggest risk people have is not innovating not continuing making your product easier to use not making it where people have that aha moment or that uh, light bulb where they're just like, oh, this is the benefit from this app and this is the value. So if you can't give people the good stuff, the, 
if you can't give them the results, what they're looking for as quick as possible, your risk is someone else in your space is going to, and they're going to dominate your space and crush you. So that that's the biggest risk mm. that we're seeing Makes at least right now. It's just, if you look at the price, uh, the data from price intelligently or profit, well, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at over time, Patrick Campbell does a lot of presentation mm-hmm. and he talks about the NPS scores and the satisfaction rating that users have of SaaS apps have continually gone down over time. And one of the biggest reasons for that is people are just satisfied uh, or less satisfied because there's so much competition and there's so many options out there. Makes sense. And is there c- certain industries where you're seeing it's a, uh... You know, you should be kind of more opportunistic right now. I know obviously e-commerce is probably one, uh, maybe, you know, some kind of marketing tech or health tech, I'm assuming as well. Is there any others that you've seen that are doing really well right now? Um, it, not necessarily specifically. It's mm-hmm. some industries are doing better than others. Some are doing worse. But um, just in general, anything that could be done online that doesn't require in-person is doing quite well. Like you mentioned, health is doing really well. E-commerce is doing really well. Uh, SaaS is doing really well in general. Uh, communication is doing really well. Uh, anything that has to do with productivity is doing really well. Um, but yeah, it's anything that's adapted to the new environment or that benefits people during the new environment, such as conference calling services or such as time tracking software. Uh, that it's used on your computer for people who are virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we could see that with using Zoom today uh, and their crazy valuation. Um, <laughs> with Uber Suggest, so I know you acquired that company a couple of years ago. You started with the, you know, the Google mindset of dominate and then monetize. Um, so you were burning through your, a lot of your own cash to run it for the last, you know, several months or years. I think you're saying, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a month, um, and then you kind of made the switch to to a paid model. Can you tell us how many free users did you have on your platform at the time before shifting to offer that paid model? Yeah, so we went from freemium, uh, free to freemium, in which there's a still very, very, very generous free plan, more than mm-hmm. anyone else in the space. And mm-hmm. then we charge for more data, we charge for more features, more projects, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we look at that, we had somewhere around six or seven hundred thousand users before we started to make wow. the shift from free to freemium. Okay, and do you know how many, like, a percentage-wise of those converted to paid at the, at that time when you made that switch? Very, very little. Not even one percent. Because really? keep in mind, we give away so much for free still that most people don't need to upgrade to pay. Wow. And how how about now? Would you say it's the same, like less than one percent, or are you seeing that kind of growth happen? No, less than 1%. We can make it 3 4% if we were aggressive, but we're not. Wow, okay. Because so, our model on that product isn't to make money. Our model is to break even. And then what's kind of the long-term game on that? The long-term game is to just try to get to break even and stay there. If I get profitable, give away more for free so the conversion rate drops and we stay at break even. Mm. So you're seeing the value in having more users kind of on your platform and you see the value like you know dominating the space and being a leader there more than uh, and and the value there being able to monetize it at some point in the future uh, we don't really look at it as monetization the, the whole mm-hmm. our whole premise and thesis of building uber suggests was businesses don't have a ton of money mm-hmm. especially small ones yeah 
how can you end up giving them something away for free or dirt cheap so that way they can do better and succeed without having to invest a lot of capital? Mm-hmm. So our goal from UberCS wasn't to necessarily make money. Our goal was to help out the small and medium businesses. And that's our mission. Right. And that's what mm-hmm. we want to stick to. So if that means we make less money, so be it. Nice. I love that. Um, looking back now, do you think it was the right time? So 600,000 users, was it the right time or stage of the business to make that switch? Do you still, you know, do you think it was the right timing? Uh, I, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I don't know what the right timing was or <laughs> what we should have done on that end. The mm. one thing I do know is, um, you know, most of the people are happy. They understand why and they have no issues. Okay. Like, I, 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 like if I was trying to break even quicker, I would have done it. Quicker. Mm. Uh, I think mm. it was really slow on my end. I think I could have monetized a year in advance, not mm. because I needed more users, but because I was slower in my development and product than I needed to be. Mm. And like why? Six months after I bought the tool, I could have mm-hmm. not wasted those six months and I could have monetized six months earlier. Mm. Yeah, you're, kind of, you're just sitting on it or making some other changes. Exactly. Um, I could have not changed the scope multiple times through development. That probably would have <laughs> saved another six months, right? So like <laughs> mine all, I could have probably monetized a year earlier and lost less money. I could have been more efficient with my hosting costs and done reserved instances earlier from Amazon, mm. which would have saved me money, which would have made it uh, easier for me to not monetize, right? So in theory on that end, I could have delayed how long I uh, did monetization. Mm. And I know you've uh, so you've raised capital before. I think for previous, uh, you know, companies, uh, you know, obviously you're well connected, and then you also you're now you're using your own capital to fuel the growth on it. Uh, did you consider raising, you know, VC capital to keep fueling that user growth and burning through the cash for a longer period? And if not, why or why not? So what's funny is I'm not really interested in raising at this point, but. What's funny is I get more offers now that I'm not looking to raise than I did before <laughs> when I was trying to raise. Mm-hmm. But so you yeah, think at some point I, you will? I don't think so. I don't really care for investors. There's okay. nothing wrong with them. I just don't care for them. I'd rather be, you know, be in control of my own destiny. Exactly. So you just want that pressure or responsibility to have to kind of uh, live up to somebody else's standards or, or you know, whatever they, well, they judge you by. Well, well, in many cases, it doesn't fit our mission. If my mission is mm. to give away as much as free and help the small, medium businesses without charging them, and don't get me wrong, we charge to some extent for some of the features because we have to cover our costs. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just not sustainable. Like I can't afford to lose like two, three million dollars every year, right? I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not rich enough to. Like if I was a billionaire or I had hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of millions of dollars, I wouldn't care. But that's not the reality that I'm in, right? So mm-hmm. if that was the case, then I would just have everything 100% free and I wouldn't give a crap. Um, mm-hmm. But if I raise money, investors, their thesis is to make bets and create a return for their limited partners. Right. You know, that doesn't align with my mission. Mm. So it makes and sense. If I, so I'm, yeah, yeah if I, and if I raise money, I would have to go and charge for more, right? Yeah. So unless you had the right investor who, you know, lined up with your kind of uh, your culture of what you're trying to build and the brand of what you're trying to build, um, yeah, it probably wouldn't make sense, right? Yeah, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're there to make money, not not charity, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. 
So I saw a recent article by Brian Dean where, um, from Backlinko where he was comparing many data sets and accuracy between the top keyword research tools. So they had Ahrefs, SEMrush, Ubersuggest, and then obviously I think Longtail Pro, which I know was previously owned by Spencer Haas, was acquired by you know Wired Investors where I worked previously and I think you were an investor in as well. And I think now it's owned by, by my friend Kevin. Um, so with almost clearly define leaders in this market, you know, so I, I don't know what I hear is, you know, people love SEM rush, Ahrefs, those are the two big in the space. Then you also have the more premium SEO tools like market, market muse. What's your vision with Uber suggest say in the next two to three years and where do you stand in the market compared to the big guys in the space right now? Yeah, sure. So my vision is to continually add more and more advanced features and empower small and medium businesses. So that way, they can get a leg up on their competition. I'm not trying to go after the enterprise space. I don't okay. necessarily care to be the premium brand or the enterprise brand. I care to be that product where small and medium businesses can use the app and get results in the simplest and easiest way as possible. In other words, I want to make marketing really simple. Okay. And what are some uh, features you think that would be, we should be expecting in the next couple of years, if you can share that? Sure. Do apologize for the background noise, by the way. Um, <laughs> That's all good. I'm like, I can't control that one. But, uh, <laughs> I love my daughter with that. So uh, <laughs> the, the biggest thing that we're working on is two, two things. So one, when I look at my Ubersuggest app, right now you go to Ubersuggest to use it. And we have a mm -hmm. Chrome extension that's growing really fast in popularity. But okay. why should you have to... You search Google and you do a lot of research as marketers in Google. Mm -hmm. Why should you have to go back to the app? Right. So I'm not going to ever delete my app, but I, I want to make it where you can get all the value through the website. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So then so that way you can get value from the website without having to go back to Uber suggest so that, or right. you can get value from Google while you're searching versus going back to Uber. So that's the first thing. Cause I think from a user flow, that'd be much mm -hmm. more usable. That'll of course hurt the revenue for me to try to get to break even, even more, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is soon we'll release a lot of uh, data points on your competition so you can put okay. in your URL and we'll analyze your competition without you even knowing them because most businesses don't know their competition that are mm -hmm. small and medium ones from our research. And mm -hmm. we'll tell them what their competition is doing, keep them up to date, and then give them ideas and recommendations. And that's directly through the group Chrome extension. So if I'm in Google, I'm searching for some keyword, I'll get some data. And then you also get competition or is that back in, into Uber Suggest? Both. Both? Wow. Okay. Cool. Um, you know, there's a lot more advanced automation coming up, uh, and then there's some you know super successful AI SEO tools, or they're attempting to be AI driven. Uh, do you believe that SEO will be eventually fully automated, and is that something you guys are are looking at as well? I do. We are looking at it, um, but we're trying to have more basic problems like yeah. email. You know, small and medium businesses have email lists; they can't afford it. We're trying to figure out how we can create an email product where we give unlimited sends and unlimited contacts for free. So if you have 100,000 email lists, you can send out 100,000 emails, you know, and you can send that out daily if you wanted. Or if you have a million emails and a million 
you know, contacts that you want to message on a daily basis, you can name them a million people for free. Wow. That's through Uber Suggest or is this because now you're competing with the, the MailChimps and the, the other email marketing tools, right? Correct. That would be through Uber Suggest. Eventually, we want to expand out of SEO and just do and do more. We want to do SEO, email. We want to do all the main marketing channels that uh, or that small and medium businesses have issues with and need help with. Very nice. Um, and I think I saw somewhere where there could be an option where you upload like a plugin. Um, and I think I've seen some other uh, company doing that where they, you know you, see, you upload a plugin on your WordPress and then it, it automatically will detect and give you recommendations to. Uh, you know, automate a lot of your SEO changes. Is that something you guys are looking at? Yeah, and we'll get into things like that as well. Um, I, see, I, I think the ideal thing that users want is they put a JavaScript on their website and it just does mm-hmm. all the changes for them so they don't have to do anything. Right. Makes sense. Um, so on the investment side, I want to talk a little bit about there. So I know you've made several investments. You made acquisitions such as Uber Suggest in the past. Are you currently making any investments during this pandemic period with the uncertainty or are you holding on cash? I'm still making investments. Uh, during these times, you end up seeing a lot of good deals. Mm. And what, what it specifically can you share? Like, what are you looking at for investing at the moment? Good growth, good valuation, mm-hmm. people solving a real problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when I say growth, I'm talking about revenue growth. So I'm not okay. looking for companies pre-revenue. I'm looking for post-revenue companies. Mm. Nice. Any specific industries or, or just general kind of, you know, as long as they fit those criteria? Um, no specific industries. Uh, I, I do like companies that are more so tech-based. Though. Yeah. So you, uh, you act, is it just as angel investor or are you also, you know, coming as LP on, on deals and you know, equity pieces as well? Both. Both? Okay. So I, I like to look a little bit more about your investment process. Um, what are some key metrics? So I know there's growth uh, or, or say red flags that you look for and what level of due diligence do you perform on, on your investments? Uh, I, I do a lot of diligence. There is no one red flag, but I, I look at everything from market cap to team, to how fast they're executing, um, do they have laser focus? Uh, what do people think about their product or service in this space? Uh, are they drinking too much of their own Kool-Aid? You know, like how are they going to sustain the growth? How are they going to beat their competition? What are they doing that's unique compared to the other players in this space? Um, but there's just so many little things that I look at, right? There's no like one thing. I have this concept when you pick investments, you bet on the, the jockey, not the horse, right? Cause a, right. Entrepreneur, a good entrepreneur can fail. They all mm-hmm. do. Mark Zuckerberg has failures. Elon Musk has failures. But yeah. when you look at the great ones, overall, they've still succeeded and done well. Um, right. So just looking for those type of entrepreneurs is really hard, but mm-hmm. they do exist. Uh, there's not a ton of them. You yeah. know, like for example, during this pandemic, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who broke down and they they couldn't deal with the pressure. And mm. I get it, and that sucks. But in reality, when you're putting investment dollars, you want to make sure that people have that mental ability to keep just pushing through. Mm. Is there a way that you can assess that like in your due diligence? So obviously, you know, you can look at track record, but, you know, speaking to them on one on one, is there certain questions maybe you ask that you can, uh, you know, try to filter them or, or, you know, assess that? Or is it just a matter of time or, and your gut? Just a, 
repeat it again. I just want to make sure I got it right. Yeah. So like, you know, you meet, you say a hundred entrepreneurs and they say, you know, maybe they're pitching you a, a business. How do you know that you can bet on that, uh, you know, driver, so to speak? Like, what are you looking for? So there's track record of, you know, previous, you know, operations experience, so to say. And then, you know, what else are you looking for? How do you know that they're the right you know, person to invest in? It's hard to explain it, but you just kind of know, like mm. from talking to them, do you gel with them? Do you think they have what it really takes? Uh, are mm. they scrappy? Uh, are they creative when they run up against roadblocks? Um, are they good at sales? Or do they know how to generate revenue? Or do they rely on others for answers? Are they able to figure out things on their own? Uh, mm. Do they get the concept that you should go after really big TAMs? Or do they enjoy picking niches? Because I hate entrepreneurs who like picking niches, right? The money mm -hmm. is in large TAMs. So. But it's like mm. a lot of little things like that. Mm. And what are some large TAMs that, what would, what would you define as large TAM? A large TAM is like uh, anything that's um, five, 10 plus billion dollar market. Okay, five, 10 billion. Ideally a billion plus on the low end. But, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to get a big chunk of any market. So you want to go after the biggest market, ideally markets that are worth you know, tens of billions, hundreds of billions. Mm, makes sense. Um, I want to talk about the SaaS versus agency business model. So many digital marketing agency owners I know eventually moved to a SaaS product. I think most of them started in agency world, um, either through, you know, burning out from managing clients and big teams, or they hit a plateau on how high they can, you know, reach, you know, the, the revenue uh, of, the, of the agency. I know you started offering digital marketing agency services at some point back uh, a couple of years ago, and then you stopped offering it uh, after that because I remember you it actually redirects some inbound needs through your network, uh, including us when I worked with uh, increased visibility. I remember you sent over some leads, which we handled, and we serviced some big clients for link building at the time. Um, why did you decide to come back and start Neil Digital? What was the reasoning there? Yeah, sure. So we started Neil Patel Digital or NP Digital because when we were working with partners, they were great. Um, we just wanted to build our own brand and control our relationship with our clients and control the experience and create a product that we ourselves would pay for. Now, it doesn't mean that the competition sucks. It's just more so we wanted to build our, our own vision of an agency, right? An agency that I myself would want to pay to grow my own company. Mm -hmm. And how, how are you liking, uh, I guess, coming back to that world versus, you know, working on SaaS, for example, like Uber suggests or Kissmetrics? I like it. It's a grind. It's mm -hmm. hard, but <laughs> I like it. It's very people uh, intensive, right? Resource yeah. Wise. Yeah, exactly. And you have an in-house team or are you guys all, all remote since day one? No, in-house team, although they're more remote right now because of COVID, but... Yeah, makes sense. All in-house. All in-house, nice. Um, so this seems to be, you know, many now SEO experts or SEO tools out there. If I'm a SaaS marketer with maybe limited knowledge uh, and I'm looking to hire an agency or, or, or try to do it myself, how do you differentiate the real experts and high-value products from, you know, maybe the frauds or lower-quality ones as maybe you've seen through, you know, trying to manage different partners and quality control there? Case studies, you would want to talk to references, but those are usually the two easy ways. The third one is you look at their own website to see their own results. Mm. So look if they're actually uh, you know, doing SEO, are they doing paid ads or whatnot for their own website? Exactly. Mm. 
And uh, where would you say you're focusing your marketing efforts? So, you know, exactly what you kind of said right there for your own website, Neil Patel Digital, where are you focusing your own marketing efforts and budget? We, uh, we more so focus it on neilpatel.com because it already gets a ton of traffic and we focus our efforts on things like blogging. We're releasing free courses to help train and educate, uh, more tools like Uber suggests, uh, maybe get into mail, uh, maybe then get into paid ad management, stuff like that. Okay. And would you say that's more, you know, top, you're saying it looks like more top of the funnel. Are you doing anything on, so you have the podcast as well. I know you're doing YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a combination of everything, but yeah, I focus mainly on top of funnel myself. Top of funnel, okay. Um, yeah, makes sense. And, and one last question on the domain, I guess from you know, if you're an agency and branding and SEO, do you still feel that it's relevant um, to have branded domains, or how important is the domain name from an SEO perspective as it was, you know, like say ten years ago? It's important. Uh, you want to have a good memorable brand because you want mm-hmm. people to search for it and click on your results because that helps you with SEO. Most mm-hmm. people still have this notion that you need keywords in your domain name. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't need a keyword in your domain name. I'd rather go for a memorable brand and have a keyword rich domain. Okay. Makes sense. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience today, Neil? That's it for my end. Okay. Okay, awesome. And last, where can our audience get in touch with you if they want to hire you or your agency or just learn more about what you're working on? Yeah, Neil Patel Digital or npdigital.com. If you need help growing your company, funny enough, we do a lot of uh, SaaS marketing as well. Uh, or if you just need help marketing any type of website, npdigital.com. If you want to learn more about marketing yourself, you can just check out neilpatel.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Neil. I'm really happy you were able to join us. I'm- Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening in to today's episode. Don't forget to join us for another episode where we interview top leaders and experts in the business and SaaS industry. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you please give us a five-star review on iTunes. That would be really, really appreciated. Otherwise, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or improvements for this podcast, please feel free to send it directly to me on our website at horizoncapital.com. Or you can just tweet me at Akil Jabbar. Thanks again and hope to see you guys on the next episode.